On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about the confidence vote that happened on the House of Commons, in the House of Commons on Wednesday. No election coming, but there's some spin-off political nuances and intricacies and curiosities that follow. We'll talk about that one. Also, we're going to talk about the issue of the day. Forget a possible snap election. The great pumpkin Charlie Brown is no longer going to be on network television. What is going on with 2020? Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Probably some good news today. You may or not even have been paying attention, but there's some, I think, some news that you'll be happy about, I assume. And that is we avoided a federal election. I mean, they're fun and all, but I don't know how many people are really geeked out about having an election right now. Um, This, of course, all spun off the conservative motion to create a committee to explore corruption within government. And this goes back to the we scandal the Liberals are mired in. Uh, The Liberals, of course, voted against it. The Green Party went with the Liberals and the NDP went with the Liberals. And that was enough to deny the motion. On we go. No election. As I say, probably good news with COVID and everything else going on. Do we really want to do an election? I don't think so. But it's also the latest chapter in some strange political goings-on in Ottawa. Let me bring in Stephen Ledrew. He is a political commentator. He's also the former president of the Liberal Party of Canada. Stephen, thanks for doing this today. Always remind your viewers of that and your listeners of that albatross. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I have to say, Scott, it was the Liberal Party of Canada, not the Justin Party of Canada in those days. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, okay, point taken. Um, I say that these, uh, it's the latest chapter in strange political goings on in Ottawa. And as I say that, I think, when is there not strange political goings on in Ottawa, no matter who's in office? I mean, it's a strange, strange world, that whole political federal government world. It's stranger now, though, Scott. It's stranger now. and There's more at stake. I think what we saw today was, quite frankly, a masterful move by the people in the government, in the liberal government. I don't think it was Justin, but um, some people understood Parliament. No matter what the vote went today, they were going to win. If the, if the government had fallen and the, and the Liberals labeled it a confidence motion, which was bizarre, this is not a budget, this is not a confidence motion, but they labeled it a confidence motion, and they have the right to do that, even though it was exercised improperly, Scott. And so if they had lost that today, there'd be an election. And all the polls show that Trudeau would have won. And he'd probably have a majority government, because the NDP has no money to run an election. And the conservative leader is brand new in there. So on that, they would have won. And on this situation now, they have defeated the motion to create a committee with some power to investigate the, the corruption of the liberal government. You know, as you say, we, it would have gone into the contracts given out to uh, former liberal MPs, sole sourced for millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that Justin gave to his friends. It would have been a big scandal, and the evidence would have come out for the government. And so that committee now is blocked. And so people can say, oh, yeah, there's committees. But the Liberal MPs, the, the trained SEALs, have been filibustering, so those committees cannot do their work. So, Scott, it was a win-win for the government. See, I, I, I take issue with just one thing, and, and I, I rarely do with you because I appreciate your opinion on all these things, but... I'm not positive that Justin Trudeau wins a majority. And I'll tell you why. It's not that his numbers are not good right now. They are. Anytime you're in a crisis, the governing party, unless they've completely made a hash of something, are good. Look at George Bush after 9-11. I mean, his numbers were insane. Right. 
but with a pandemic going on and people reluctant to leave their home, what moves people to vote? And generally, it's anger at the party. That's why I believe that Donald Trump is going to lose. He has voters, but the people who are motivated to cast the ballot most are the ones who are angry at the governing party. And if you're in a pandemic, I'm not sure that the liberals get all their people out because it's the others who want them out. I, I may be way off on that one, but I'm not positive he's locked down. Well, I'm not positive either, but let's just go. For, I, ha- I can't leave that Trump one with <laughs> Scott. You threw it out there. I think there is a heck of a chance that Trump could win. I think that no matter Trump or Biden, the United States is going to be in a mess for the next four years. Um, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a mess. But, uh, you know, Trump is, uh, he is making mincemeat of Biden. We'll have to see what the debate is tomorrow night. Um, but back to the government, I hear your point that it may not have, uh, if there had been an election called today, they may not have had a majority, but they would have figured out a way for people to vote without going to the ballot boxes. That probably would have been brought into, into play, either through mail or through, you know, through different systems with computers. That could have been done. And then the other thing is, Trudeau would have said, oh, you know, I'm out here spending your money to help you for your good health. And in the time of these threats from COVID, you know, you got to stick with, uh, you know, the, the, the one you brought to the dance. And that's me. And I did all that, you know, all that work all last spring and summer. And, uh, and, oh, yes, we made a few mistakes with we, but we were trying to do that for the students. And there was certainly no malevolence involved. And I think that he would have been out there and they would have been communicating that case. And I'm always stunned how Canadians, Scott, they know that this government is dirty. They know that it's corrupt. They know, and it's undisputed. The government never says, well, we didn't do that. We didn't give. $160 million sole source contract to a former MP who knows nothing about the business. No one has denied that. They just say, oh, yeah, but that's not important. So, you know, I mean, people know the government's corrupt, and they still like Trudeau. It stuns me. I can't believe it. And yet nobody, I don't believe, as I say, I don't believe too many people were really excited about the possibility of an election. So you're probably right on the point that, you know, it's a smart move because... Why walk into uncharted territory if you're not really sure? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Stephen, I said that some of the strange political stuff that's going on in Ottawa, beyond the normal strangeness, and it largely stems with the NDP. I don't quite understand what the NDP is doing right now. It seems to be, at this point anyway, recently, the Liberals' in-house rubber stamp and I don't know how that's politically beneficial or expedient or helping Jagmeet Singh carve out his spot to try and win more voters if you look like you're just part of the Liberal Party. I think you're absolutely right. It is strange times, and I think that uh, Jagmeet is having a difficult time trying to to distinguish the NDP from the Liberals because, as you just pointed out, they're virtually the same. I don't know of anything that the NDP is saying, we're out there fighting for you know greater you know, health benefits or something like that. All they're saying is, give us more holidays, give us more money, and um, and the liberals these days are s- sitting there saying, yeah, sure, we'll do that. We'll make a deal for you to get your votes. So um, in earlier minority governments, um, Trudeau's father and um, David Lewis, the head of the NDP at that time in the early 70s, they they made some very good moves in government that helped Canadians, because the uh, NDP held the Liberals' feet to the fire, 
And there are some good products of that. That's not happening right now. The NDP have no money for an election. Um, they have no reason for being because the liberals have gone so far. Justin has gone so far to the left that uh, he is eating their lefty lunch, <laughs> so to speak, Scott. And, uh, and they can't distinguish themselves. So I hear why the NDP don't or understand why they don't want an election. Um, but the political grounds are shifting. And um, I think that most Canadians are not shifting right now with uh, the NDP and the Liberals, which is why I think that uh, the Conservatives could and should have a good chance to create uh, to form government after the next election, because most Canadians do not want giveaways. They want help in bad times. If you don't have a job, if you're running a restaurant and you have no, you can't open up, um, they hope that the government will help them out. But most Canadians want to work and to uh, earn a living, and uh, they don't want handouts like uh, the NDP are always talking about. So I think that, um, you know, there's a middle ground here for the Conservatives to occupy while the Liberals dance with the Communists off to the left. Well, I, I mean, I, it did make me wonder, as I've seen over the last number of months, whether it's from the throne speech or anything else, how far left will the NDP have to go to separate themselves from the Liberals right now? Because so many of the programs are and are traditionally NDP programs that the Liberals are offering or, or saying they want to bring in. Right. And I, I don't know if you're the NDP, how you can possibly go far enough left now to create some sort of space that you can carve out as your territory. I think that uh, from a policy point of view, you're absolutely right. If I was uh, an NDP, and thank goodness I'm not, uh, but if I was an NDP, I'd say, well, I'm going to um, go out there and advocate for honest government, for clean government, for government that doesn't uh, pay off its friends with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money, that doesn't stink. And so there's going to come a, a call for honesty in government, but as far as policy... Uh, the liberals are, are you know, they're, they're taking the whole bed. There's nowhere for the NDP to sleep. They might as well just fall on the floor. <laughs> we, we hear all the time, though, Stephen, that, um, it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a mantra of our system. Yes. And we heard it when the liberals won the minority government. Minority government is great because it requires the government, the, 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 the government in office, to work with other parties and to compromise and to work together and to, to really to give a little and take a little, but it's, there's a give involved in this. Uh, and I look at this and I think, well, if the NDP have been willing to just go along with everything, what exactly have the Liberals had to compromise on any of their positions with this minority government? Well, they, you're absolutely right in pointing that out, Scott, because the Liberals haven't had to compromise because they are as far left as the NDP. What I referred to was a system of 50 years ago where the Liberals were pro-business, pro-fiscally conservative, and they were out there trying to create a market economy. Now, the Justin uh, liberals are, they are socialist. They are like the NDP. So there are no great programs that uh, someone has to bring into place because it's, it's all been a giveaway so far. And, uh, you know, the only debate could be, I guess, over energy, which I think should be a debate in an election in Canada because um, this liberal Trudeau government is uh, is killing the West. Yeah, and and we we got to go, unfortunately. But like, it, look, we're in Hamilton right now. I'm talking to you from Hamilton. We have a long tradition of voting liberal or NDP. We rarely elect any conservatives. We have a lot of people who vote NDP, and I'm looking at this just thinking. 
if you are an NDP voter in this city, what is with the way it's with what's been going on? What is the upside to voting for them? What, what are you getting now by voting for them as opposed to the liberals? Because I, I, as I say, I, I just don't see much in the way of distinction right now. Think, Maybe there is, and someone will call in and tell me there is, but I, I'm having a hard time seeing it. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there is no distinction. And I also think you're right that Hamilton's a terrific city. Stephen LeDrew, always appreciate having you on here. Thanks for doing this today. Great stuff. See you later, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me get to uh, Robert Thompson. Though Robert Thompson is the director of the Blyer Center for Television and Popular Culture at Syracuse University. We love having you on. It's been a long time since we had him here, but Robert, thanks for doing this today. I appreciate you joining us. I'm dying to tell you the formula for sulfuric acid. Well, before you hang up, we'll put you on hold and you can tell Ben and we'll put your name in the list if you get it right. And I bet you know it. I, I'm I absolutely confident that you do. You, you will win the, the knowledge and the warm glow of knowing that you got it right. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, Robert, I want to get to a couple things, but just before I do, I saw something just before we came on the air today that I found shocking and disturbing and somewhat traumatizing. And that is that for the first time in something like 50, 60, 70 years, I don't know, it's, it's a long time, the, uh, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown is not going to be on network TV because it has moved over to one of the streaming services. I think, uh, I don't even know what streaming service it's gone Apple to, Amazon Plus. Prime. Apple, Apple Plus, TV thank Plus, you. Yeah. You okay, know, I, so I don't want to make too big a deal, but this is one yeah. of those traditions that we have to keep, don't we? What's fascinating about this, and you and I did not talk before uh, uh, this Not a uh, word. conversation, yet in spite of all the stuff that's going on in the world, global pandemic, election chaos, uh, some of the biggest stories of the century, and somehow I knew when you started that question that that's what you were going to ask about. So, yes, it is a big deal, uh, uh, and a lot of people are, uh, uh, are talking uh, about it. A couple of things. First of all, you're right. This thing has been on network television since the Lyndon Johnson administration down here. <laughs> um, uh, you know, since the the, you know, the first years of the Vietnam War, it's been on for a long time. First on CBS, then it moved to ABC, where it's been uh, uh, ever since. And it, it is true that uh, even though Apple TV Plus you've got to pay for, they are offering this for a few days for free. But there is a difference between, for one thing, there are a lot of people out there uh, who don't get, uh, um, who don't have broadband, who can't afford uh, 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 internet service or whatever, for, who, for whom this will not be something uh, uh, they can watch. Um, and it gets even worse in that I think Apple TV Plus has gotten all of the Charlie Brown rights, which would include not only the Great Pumpkin, but also one of the great... Christmas masterpieces of all time, a Charlie Brown Christmas, which has been yep. playing on TV since 1965. Yep. Yeah. And, and like, I don't want to make, I don't want to be silly about this because it's just a kid's show, but there is something to me when I saw this and I was sort of overhyping it at the beginning, but there, there is something about the tradition of knowing that that show that's been on that our grandparents watched and our parents watched and we watched that we would love for our kids. It's just one of those there's not a lot of things that tie all these generations together that we all can have in common and whether they watch it and whether they like it, at least it's there and it's one of those constants. And, and it, it kind of makes me sad that it's that that kind of thing 
is moving away. And as you say, you wonder what else is next. Cause I mean, wizard of Oz has always been on TV. I don't know if it's still on network TV ever, or all those Christmas specials or whatever else. I mean, when are they all going to be gone soon? I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the question is when will TV as we know it, uh, I mean, at some point we're going to be getting all of our TV over the uh, internet would be my guess, but I don't think you're being silly at all. I mean, it does sound with all the stuff going on. Why, why are we talking about this? But it is, you know, it is one of those things that was, and you know, the other thing, about that we call it a kid show it's cartoon it's charlie brown but that uh, it's the great pumpkin charlie brown is a very deep dark disturbing story it's about uh, you know one of the characters who has uh, you know faith that the great pumpkin will come and he waits and he waits and he waits and the show ends and the pumpkin never comes it doesn't end like a charlie brown christmas it ends like a french existential essay yeah, it's waiting for Godot in Charlie Brown yeah, that, form. There you go, exactly. That's why we care about this. Charlie well, Brown and, in that thing is a, it, it actually Charlie Brown in general, could have been a poster child for Prozac long before Prozac <laughs> existed. And, and, you know, and the Christmas one, for better or for worse, some people think this is a good thing. Some would probably not care or whatever. But I mean, the Charlie Brown Christmas is, I think for a lot of people, the one place that they would be told the traditional Christmas story in when you're watching TV. They may not go to church on a, a Christmas mass or anything. That's the one place where that part of the tradition is maintained. I, as I say, I just, to me, it's just kind of a sad thing that these traditional things, and I'm again, I'm guessing Rudolph and Frosty and all those other ones that we all watched and we still watch, even though we've seen it a million times, eventually they're all going to be gone too, I guess. Yeah, well, but we should make the distinction, and I, I'm agreeing with you on all this, but they're not going away. They're just leaving the way we all used to watch uh, television, and they're moving uh, uh, onto uh, you know, our devices, which, of course, can be connected to TVs. And I guess at, you know, there's, there's a little period now in which there are going to be people who won't be able to see this because they're not getting uh, onto it. There, after that transition, though, again, I think at some point we're not only going to be watching uh, most of our TV, uh, many people already do, um, on our uh, uh, devices, but uh, we're going to be watching most movies that way as yes, well. Since yes, the pandemic, uh, most of the movies, like Mulan and uh, the John Stewart film, um, you know, I watched those all on a laptop uh, as premieres. Yeah, no, and, and the thing is, they're also, they're going to be harder to find. And one other thing about the Charlie Brown, and then I'm going to move on to what you just touched on, which I wanted to go to, is one of the great things for years was when the newspaper came out at near Christmas time, early in December, with all of the Christmas specials, it was a full page. You would rip it out and you would start sitting down at the table and circling or highlighting all the that. shows. yeah. And that's gone. I mean, that, that time is gone and I get it. I mean, time moves on, but it's just, it's one of those things that you kind of go, Hmm, you know, it was, it was, it was a commonality that we had. And it's, it's one of those things that's gone. You know, the you mentioned amazing. Uh, Rudolph comes out in uh 64, Charlie Brown in 65. No, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, something like that. Uh, Frosty the next year, the Grinch in like five years, classics that we are still watching and showing to kids to this day. Robert, I will someday have to uh, have you on the show when we replay my interview with Hermie the Elf from the Rudolph, the man who played Hermie. It went horribly sideways. It's uh, it's one of those ones we pull out once every couple of Christmases oh, when we're allowed I can't to. Oh, wait to hear that. 
Uh, yeah, it, it did not go as anticipated. I thought, what could happen with an elf? It's amazing what could happen well, with, with an Hermie, elf. Anyway. I mean, he wants to be a dentist. What did you expect? Well, someday I'll play it for you. I can't um, wait to hear that. You mentioned movies, and this is another really interesting thing that I wanted to get onto because how long ago was it now? Two months, a month and a half ago that Disney Plus released Mulan and it was a big splash and they were trying something, which was, I think it was 35 or $38 Canadian you had to pay. Yeah, it was 30 down get, here. So yeah, that's okay. about right. Yeah. And it was, and, and I don't know how successful it was, except for the fact that Pixar and Disney are coming out with a new movie in the next few days called Soul. And apparently it's just going to be put on regular old Disney Plus, no extra cost. We're just going to plop it on there. Is that every answer we need to know about how well or not well Mulan did? Well, not necessarily. I, I think what they're doing is they're feeling out the territory. They're, they're, they're looking at all the different ways in which they can do that with the assumption that even if this uh, COVID thing goes away entirely and we start jamming into theaters again, which I think is a big if, by the way. Um, but even if that happens, the idea that movie studios don't need theater uh, uh, distributors, don't, don't need the theaters. Theaters need movie studios. They need to have something to play. But when the theaters closed, the movie studios realized the technology is now available. We'll just release the stuff directly to streaming. Um, with Disney, people had uh, you know subscribed to Disney and had a very very good uh, uh, first launch year. It's only been around since November, hard to believe. And then we were getting used to getting all this stuff because we were paying for Disney, uh, Hamilton, big blockbuster, the yep. Beyonce uh, movie, um, you know, big uh, high profile thing. And then I think a lot of people got upset that, okay, we're paying our monthly bill for Disney, and now to get Mulan, you're going to ask for another uh, uh, 30 bucks American, uh, 38 Canadian. Yeah, um, like four months, know, four months of that? bill. Yeah. But uh, so it, it's, I, think it's, I think the business model uh, of how this is going to be done, not only by Disney, but by a lot of other places, is still in flux. They're figuring it out by the look how Seoul does and the look how uh, 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 Mulan does. Um, but it's, you know, it's been several months now that we're used to seeing, you know, the movies come out in these very limited releases, but then very quickly onto streaming. And uh, I think the, the movie theaters aren't going to go away. You need a place to go out on a date and to get out. And if you're in a city without a lot of, you know, if you're in a small city, dinner and a movie is are some of the only things to do. But I think the uh, movie industry, as we see it in theaters, is going to be dramatically changed by the time all of this stuff passes, if it does. Yeah, and one of the other movies that's coming out, I think, this week or early next week, Borat, the the sequel to Borat, is coming right. out oh, directly yeah. directly to Amazon Prime, and that would have that would have probably done great numbers at a theater. And you're right. I mean, obviously, you're right. But I mean, to me, the theaters are the ones here that stand to lose the most because I mean, surely the 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 studios can figure out with their streaming services how to make this work. There, if there's one thing studios know how to do, it's know how to make money and figure out how to make money. But the theaters now as the middleman, my goodness, uh, you know, how long can they possibly last with those overheads and everything else? If, uh, if this carries on for any period of time? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a, uh, it, it, that industry is really, really challenged. And the fact that we've gotten from Charlie Brown to Borat in 10 minutes is, <laughs> uh, is, is something. Well, let's move on to one more then, because we're talking about streaming and we heard today 
that Quibi. Now, a lot of people have never heard of Quibi who are listening right now. I'd never seen anything on Quibi. I don't think I don't want to age myself too much, but it was a, a startup streaming service that specialized in really short either really short videos or segments of shows. And, and people were listening to our news here on CHML would have heard it. The idea was if you're in, you know, in a short transit or whatever, waiting in a doctor's office, here's five minutes and boom, you're done. Uh, it announced that it's going under today. Robert, with all of the endless streaming sites that are popping up all over the place now, this can't be the only one that's going to fail. They're, they're, at some point, we're going to get to a point where the wheat and the chaff are going to get separated and a whole bunch of these are going to go under, aren't we? Yeah, I, um, I mean, it's right. We've, we've got now, and there's pretty – Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, uh, uh, Disney. I mean, there's some places that are pretty well established and partially because they've got huge libraries of, uh, uh, of material. Um, uh, but, yeah, there's going to be consolidation, and I think we're not going to have the quantity of original programming that we had before uh, March coming out. I mean, there was a while there that uh, in the time it t- took to make a sandwich, Netflix would have released seven new uh, 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 series. <laughs> That's true. Quibi, though, was one of those things that I-, I predicted when I first heard what they were doing that it wasn't going to last long. I certainly didn't predict it was going to go down this fast. Um but what they, the good idea insofar as short segmented stuff that people watch on their phone, uh, that's a fine idea. That's how people watch a lot of stuff. But that idea has already been done. It was called YouTube back in 2005, where there are plenty places where you can, and now even shorter things on various other uh, social media uh, sites. So this quibby idea that they were going to somehow do this and it was going to be new. It was already being done. Their big difference, it was going to be high budget. But what it turned out to be is just like a lot of their stuff was middle-level regular programming just divided into shorter chunks, the fugitive, uh, 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 for example. So I don't think Quibi ever had anything that really everybody needed to watch. There was no equivalent of Orange is the New Black to Netflix in its early years or uh, House of Cards. Um, so I think that was inevitably a bad business plan. But I, I have to say, I was surprised to hear that uh, it went down as quickly as it did. Well, and, and you know, the whole streaming thing, like, I, I don't believe that it's an unhealthy thing, an unhealthy business, certainly with everybody at home and, and theaters not playing and people looking for stuff to watch. And yet the other news we heard today or yesterday was Netflix's show Away. Now, it was a show with um, Hillary Swank about a <clears throat> excuse me, a group of five people that went to Mars. And it was a very high budget show to make, apparently. But it was also, if you watched on Netflix where they have their list of the top shows by streams, it was in the top one or two for a week or two or three. A very successful show. They announced it's not going to have a season two. And a lot of people are saying, well... You know, the algorithm looks at views versus um, a cost to make, and it was just too costly. I do wonder with some of these shows, on even some of these big ones, how long the streaming services continue to pour these massive amounts of money into new programming, or if there's another way they start to look to try and make their bucks, because at some point there's got to be a bottom to the pit. Yeah, and I think there will be an equilibrium. The reason we're seeing, and we're going to be grateful for this time that uh, 
Uh, we're going to look back, I think, fondly at the time where there's just so much good stuff coming out. By the way, Away, I don't think, was one of those. I think that was a, not a very good show, but that's besides the point. Um, the reason we're seeing it all so much now is that all of these streaming services want to get into our they, – they want to build their subscriber base. And one of the ways to do that is to put so much stuff out there that there's virtually something that everybody is going to have to, you know, okay – break down and get Hulu because they want to watch this or CBS All Access because they want Star Trek or whatever. Um, and I think well, the idea is once they've established those uh, 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 those bases and their places in uh, uh, in the competition with other streaming service services, the idea is then you can kind of rest on your on your bench, on your inventory. Um, but Netflix was very successful in spending incredible amounts of money on stuff so that virtually everybody at some point, no, I don't need Netflix, no, I don't need Netflix, and then something they would announce that, yes, now I need uh, uh, Netflix. I mean, virtually everybody from the Obamas to, I mean, it was like uh, everybody sooner or later, Shonda Rhimes was snatched from mm-hmm. ABC uh, by Netflix. So part of that, I think, was just to make Netflix Netflix the place uh, uh, to be, but that's a long answer to say, yes, I think uh, we're not going to have that kind of, uh, I don't know that there's enough hours times people to watch to keep the kind of production schedule that we've had over the past several years. Well, until Netflix came along, I had no idea that I needed to sit down and watch hour upon hour of brooding Scandinavian crime dramas. So there you go. It's uh, <laughs> And now you can't live without them. And now, and I'm learning the I'm learning Finnish as I watch. I mean, it's it's, yeah, a, well, it's a bonus right there. You know, you're going to uh, um, uh, you know you know you're going to use that a lot. <laughs> yes, along with the chemical formula for sulfuric acid. Robert Thompson, always love having you on. Thanks for taking the time today. I am going to put you on hold though, because Ben is going to get that answer from you. Robert okay, Thompson, thanks I'm so much for doing this. But now I'm starting to worry that what if I don't really know it? I thought I did, but now I'm getting scared. Well, pressure is really on. We'll see. You know, we're going to be listening for your name at the end. Robert, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.